You're listening to the Unveiling Mormonism podcast from PursueGod.org. Join pastors Ross Anderson and Brian Dwyer every Monday as they pull back the curtain on LDS history, culture, and theology. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash Mormonism. Ross, in today's episode, we're going to explore how Mormons typically relate to non-Mormons and vice versa. And one of the biggest questions that I want to answer for our audience today is this one, and it's kind of a doozy. Some people get fired up when they hear this question, but here's what we're going to answer. Is Mormonism a cult? Now, before we answer that, and you know, if I was listening 20 years ago, I would have said, obviously, yes. But I want to make sure our listeners hang on because I think we need to define some terms, make sure that people understand what that even means and and really how a Mormon hears that. Maybe even Mormons listening right now might hear that a certain way. But before we get into any of that, Ross, I think maybe it's good to talk about how people view Mormons these days because Mormonism is relatively new, 150 years old, and the perce- the public perception of Mormons is changing quite a bit. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think it swings. I think it's a pendulum that swings back and forth and over uh, different generations. In the 1890s, there was a real negative view of Mormonism and uh, fueled in part by a, a story written by Arthur Conan Doyle, a Sherlock Holmes story about about Mormonism and polygamy and blood atonement and things like that. But, you know, you see it shifts uh, considerably over time. But what's really interesting is there's two very recent nationwide studies. Both of them were just released within the last six weeks. They were both conducted last fall. But two studies that explore how Americans uh, look at different religious groups and belief systems. That gives us a quantifiable perspective on how people look at um, Mormon Church and and members of the Mormon Church. Yeah, and from that poll on the high end, this is interesting, Christianity in general has a plus 34 favorability rating. Protestantism is next at plus 15. On the low end, just by way of of comparison, Satanism... And Scientology is interesting. Satanism and Scientology, they get a negative 49 rating. Okay, so there's the there's the rating system, right? On the on the far end is Christianity plus 34. On the low end, Satanism and Tom Cruise at negative 49. And then the LDS Church Ross, where do they land on the scale? Yeah, they're on the negative side. Uh, they're at negative 21. Um, and I think the favorability rating has to do with like how many people look look at them favorably minus how many people look at them unfavorably, essentially. So uh, twenty minus twenty one. Um, some people look at Mormon the LDS Church as very favorable. That's six percent. Somewhat favorable, eleven percent. Thirty six percent are neutral. They're not sure. It's either go either way. But people who look at the LDS Church as somewhat unfavorable are 20% of respondents, and very unfavorable were 19% of respondents. And so, you know, a lot of people really uh, don't think highly of the LDS Church. What are some of the reasons, Ross, from your view? I mean, because we, we, we live among the Mormons. We love our Mormon neighbors. I think Mormons, for the most part, are wonderful people. Now, again, we don't agree with their theology, 
we don't agree, we don't view Scripture the same way they view Scripture. We'll get into all that. We've gotten into all that in different episodes here. But as a people group, Mormons, from our perspective, Mormons are wonderful people. So where, where do you think this favorability or this unfavorability comes from? Well, there's different factors that play into it. Um, I think one is, is political identity or social, uh, social values and social issues. So uh, the second survey, the first one is from a group called YouGov. The second one is from the Pew Research Center. And they got similar results, but they dug in a little bit deeper on a couple of things. They, they asked the question, how do non-religious people and how do social liberals look at different religious groups. And they're the, the unfavorability ratings for Latter-day Saints then really spike. Um, and that's true of how those people look at other conservative faith groups as well. So people who are not religiously affiliated have a, a minus 26 favorability. Atheists are minus 55 toward Mormons. Um, and so I, you can kind of connect the dots there and see that people who don't share the Latter-day Saint social values and uh, conservative views on moral issues and so forth are very likely to not think very highly of Mormonism. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff right now in pop culture. We'll talk about this a little bit as we answer the next question here. But pop culture really, I think, has pulled back the curtain a little bit on Mormons. There's a lot of stuff out there that you can watch on Netflix that's that really sort of paints Mormonism in a negative light. But again, the Mormon people themselves tend to be wonderful people. They tend to have good values. I think, I think they have values that are very much aligned with Christian values, a lot of family values, and yet there's still a stigma for Mormons more and more. And I think really that leads to, to finally us answering this question. So, Ross, is Mormonism a cult? Like, how would we approach this question? I think it can fire Mormons up to even hear us asking the question. So let's just pull back a second, and let's make sure we're examining this from all different angles. The first angle is the doctrinal definition of cult. If we're thinking about it doctrinally, how are we thinking about the idea of a cult? This is the way that evangelical Christians have typically used the word cult, or defined it this way, as as a group that is aberrant doctrinally from the norm, which in, in American culture, the norm has typically, typically been um, biblical Christianity or some form of biblical Christianity. You think of things that we've talked about in this podcast before, the nature of God, the, uh, the approach to Scripture, the nature of salvation, who is Jesus, things like that. And so cults have typically within our circles been defined as someone who deviates from those biblical norms and biblical standards in terms of of what they believe. And so we know there's huge doctrinal differences between Mormonism and historic biblical Christianity. And so from that point of view, from this strictly doctrinal perspective, um, that makes Mormonism a cult. Now, I've always kind of chuckled as we're the minority in Utah where we live, the religious minority, and I think from their perspective, we might be the cult, because we deviate from <laughs> the norms and the standards that are prevalent in our own uh, region, in our own area. Right, because when you think of cult, cult just means they believe 
something different from you. Again, if we're if we're talking about a Christian cult, a cult from the vantage point of biblical Christianity, then Ross, who would be added to that group? Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientology, I think we would say these are all cults, right? right? They've redefined the fundamentals. Yeah, the fundamentals of Christianity. So for example, it's not it's not about what you believe about Calvinism or what you believe about speaking in tongues or some of these fringe issues where different denominations might have different stances. It's really about the fundamentals. Like, if you don't believe that, that Jesus is God, if you don't believe that we're saved by grace through faith alone, then typically an evangelical Christian would say, well, then the group that you're a part of is a cult. Even though that's hard to hear, that's how we would define this doctrinally. Exactly. And originally, the word cult just simply mean an expression of worship. Um, but it came in the 1800s more and into the 1900s to be to meaning some kind of excessive approach to a particular kind of worship that was defined by doctrine. And that's the doctrinal definition of cult. But let's let's go back now and talk about another way to define a cult. And this is the sociological definition. And this is this is probably, Ross, where non-Christians would think of Mormonism as a cult, is they would say, y- your, your group is weird, like, like uh, David Koresh or something like that. That's an obvious example of a cult, right? So mm-hmm. sociologically, what are we talking about here? What are some of the marks of a cult? So we're talking about, generally speaking then, defining a cult in terms of how people behave, not in terms of how people believe. Doctrinal, the th- first is how people believe. This is more about how people behave. And typically, I mean, there's a certain amount of debate about this. Not every scholar of, of religious movements agrees on all of the basic definitions here. But there's some general kind of s- a sense of agreement on a variety of categories. But generally, people are talking about a relatively small group, although it doesn't have to be small, and nobody could define at what point in time is it big enough to not to be considered a sociological cult. But but one of the issues, the main issue is probably the control that the group exercises in the life of its members. So we talk about mind control. In other words, are there techniques and um, practices that limit how people think about things so that, so that you're um, you don't, you're not allowed to talk about or think about certain things. In what we call maybe indoctrination. Social control is what you're allowed to do in your relationships with other people. Um, so, for example, um, you, you're never allowed to question leaders. Um, you might think about opponents or outsiders as in a negative perspective or even vilify them. There's a avoidance of dissent. How much, how much freedom is there for the members to dissent from the party line? A lot of cult groups use what we call thought-stopping techniques. In other words, it's a way to say, oh, no, we don't, we don't talk about that. We don't think about that. Or answering questions in a way that shut down any further discussion or further exploration. And one of the marks, uh, in, in my mind, one of the biggest marks of these cult kind of groups that fall into this category is that it's really difficult to leave. And so there's always promises about uh, all the things that are going to happen bad to you if you leave the group. The people who do leave the group are then treated as pariahs. And so there's all kinds of uh, techniques that are put into play to keep you in the group uh, so you can't leave. Those are a variety of, of just kind of the characteristics that often mark 
a group as a cult sociologically. So you know, if you're listening, you know that you are in a cult if your leadership tells you that you can't read this book or that book or the other book, if they tell you that there's certain things that you cannot, there's certain questions that you cannot ask, anytime, anytime you find that in a church that you're a part of, I think a red flag should go up and you should consider that maybe, just maybe, you might be part of a cult, right? Because a, a Christian, a, a, you know, a follower of Jesus should be able to ask questions and there should be answers to those questions that make sense, biblically speaking. Yeah, and so actually, um, if you're a part of a cult, you're probably not allowed to listen to this podcast. So, Or, you know, uh, different groups express these characteristics at different, like on a scale. And so the question, a lot of people would say, well, Mormonism doesn't really meet these criteria. And other people would say, well, in some ways it does. It is hard to leave and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes cults are... Uh, they share acts and practices that require unwavering devotion. There's kind of a high, high standard of devotion to the group, often led by a charismatic, a charismatic type leader uh, who is maybe self-appointed. That wouldn't be necessarily true of the LDS Church today, but that might um, apply to a person like Joseph Smith. And so this this definition, it doesn't really matter what the beliefs are. It's more about... Um, the behavior, although some of these groups that have this kind of behavior are also often linked with unusual or out-of-the-ordinary religious and spiritual beliefs as well. So, Ross, let's talk about this historically. When Joseph Smith was leading the church, how did the people in that day, in the you know mid-1800s, how did they view Mormonism? Did they view Mormonism as a cult? Did they label Mormonism a cult in the early days? Yeah, I'm not sure if that word would have been in vogue at that time, but there were certainly people who raised alarms about Mormonism, about the doctrines and the practices of Mormonism. So on both levels, sort of, you know, so the sociological idea has been refined in the last few decades, but there were people who were raising questions along those lines, as well as along uh, the doctrinal theological lines, for sure. Okay, so let's list off some definitely no question about it, no doubt about it, cults cults like uh, the poison Kool-Aid drinking Jim Jones, right, his group, and uh, and the People's Temple. Those are the ones who committed mass suicide, you know, back mm-hmm. uh, a generation ago. Nobody, I don't think anybody would question the use of the word cult for the People's Temple and Jim Jones. I don't know how many of our listeners remember the Heaven's Gate. Um, yeah. That was a, had a big splash. There were never very many of them. It might have only been a couple of dozen people, but they're the ones when the Hale-Bopp comet came through the sky, they believed that there was an alien UFO traveling in the wake of the comet, and they, they all committed suicide together, thinking that that would then join them with these aliens and they'd be able to go off into some kind of a, a UFO afterlife. Yeah, and then, of course, m- more recently, David Koresh and the Branch Davidians... And uh, they were the ones who famously fought it out with the FBI in Waco, Texas, and and many of many people in that group ended up dying as a result of that skirmish with the FBI. I don't think anyone would look at that and say, "Oh no, David Koresh wasn't a cult leader." I think it was. It's pretty clear what is what he was teaching was not biblical. Uh, it was very controlling. People couldn't leave. 
these are all telltale signs of a cult. So again, a, a Mormon right. listening today, Ross, might say, come on, how we're, we're not like Jim Jones, we're not like Heaven's Gate, we're not like David Koresh, and then yet the media presents a view that that really kind of aligns more with this, like under the banner of heaven for people who haven't seen or read that yet. Uh, that tells you this story, really, it's kind of a, this, a a recent story from the 70s, right, of a family that was involved in a very fundamentalist flavor of Mormonism. And um, I think you watch that and you say, that's definitely cult-like. Right. Well, certainly the extremes that are portrayed there, you'd say, are very cult-like. There's a, a lot of control. Um, there's violence. For some cult groups, there is violence, not always. Um I think the thing that probably active Latter-day Saints don't like about Under the Banner of Heaven, a couple things, is connecting the dots from the violent cult-like behaviors of aberrant groups like the Lafferty's, connecting the dots back to similarities with um, Brigham Young, Joseph Smith, and Mormon history. So that was uncomfortable. And, and to some LDS people, very debatable. But the other thing about um, Under the Banner of Heaven is it depicted the mainstream LDS church as, as being really protective of their image. And really, let's not talk about it. We're going to sweep it under the rug. We can't have anything happen that would harm our image. And so we're not going to really prosecute these people. We want to ignore them. And so there's this kind of hierarchical top-down control over thought. So that's a form of mind control, a form of thought control um, that's depicted in that. And then other, you know, I think um, when media like Netflix or whatever depicts the polygamists' movements, then that's also associated with Mormonism in the public mind as well. And the polygamist groups really have all these characteristics. So, Ross, would the average mainline Mormon today look at those things and say, that has no resemblance to my version of Mormonism today? The Under the Banner of Heaven stuff, the polygamy stuff, would they, would, would a, I guess, would a mainline, modern mainline Mormon say, no, that guy's the cult. We're not the cult. Mormons today aren't cult-like, but those guys certainly are. The fundamentalists are. Yeah, that's fair. That's how an average probably LDS person would say, no, we, we don't meet the criteria. Um, you know, we're legit. I'm sure that's the common, the common perspective. Yeah, but the, this is the tricky part, I think, about Mormon history because it's so recent, right, is that really the fundamentalists are more in line with the founders of Mormonism, Joseph Smith, Brigham Young. Their version of Mormonism is way more aligned uh, than the modern mainline Mormons. Even though it's weird, it's way more aligned with what, what Joseph Smith and Brigham Young experienced. Yeah, honestly, I've thought about this. I feel like if you took Mormonism of 1840 to 1845, say, when Joseph Smith was at the peak of his power just before, his, um, just before he was killed, and you took that and you transplanted that, as it were, into modern-day Utah today, I'm not sure how many Mormons would embrace that, how many current Mormons would embrace that. I'm not sure how that would... That would would really be a big, giant culture shock um, in many regards for your average Latter-day Saint today. Okay, so Ross, either way, doctrinally, 
you know, biblically, clearly Mormonism is a cult. Sociologically, maybe you would say mainline Mormonism doesn't really meet necessarily all of the requirements to make it a cult, certainly not like the fundamentalist church does. But either way, Ross, what would you say to Christians who are listening to this, who call their Mormon friends cult members? Like what would... (laughs) What what are we saying to because I think this is one of the reasons we want to talk about it. You know, for for investigators, for people coming out of Mormonism, I think, you know, you should listen to some more episodes from this podcast to make your mind up. But really for the Christian who's listening to this because they're trying to reach their Mormon friend, what would you what advice would you give them in terms of using the word cult? Right. I, I you know, I, like I said, it's accurate to a point or in some ways depending on what definition you use, but really, really um, it's not helpful in, in any way. It doesn't help to uh, you know, kind of label other people. Um, if you use the word, the terminology, you're just going to cut off communication. And proving that they're a cult probably doesn't actually accomplish anything of eternal value. And so, you know, if you can prove them, you can prove they're a cult, you can pull out the characteristics down the line doctrinally or sociologically, and even if you could prove that, it doesn't help in any way. It doesn't help the kingdom of God in any way, because you just end up arguing over mere labels, you end up offending people, and, and you can't, if you've done that, you can't really talk about the substantive issues. The substantive issues have to do, how does a person uh, become right with God? And if I start throwing the cult label around, that doesn't help us get to that really important eternal conversation. Yeah, you might end up, you might win the argument but lose a friend. And really, the truth is that so many people in Mormonism, my friend who just came out of Mormonism just reminded me of this the other day. He said, so many people in the Mormon church practicing Mormons don't even fully understand or even necessarily agree with all the formal doctrine of Mormonism. So, you know, even people listening to this podcast, just beware, just because you hear us say this on the podcast, that this is what Mormons believe, it might not be what your friend believes. And so don't make those assumptions. I think part of, you know, your job is is to help discover together what God's Word says and and where they land or where you land on any, any particular issue. And Colossians 3 says this, verse 12, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, Ross, I'm with you. You know, I rarely use the word cult. I think when we first moved to Utah, I used it more than ever. But the more you're around these people, the more you want to really build bridges, which means you don't label and you don't point fingers, even if, even it's, even if it's accurate. It's not, like you said, it's not helpful. And it is such a negative, it's such a negative word that it can't help but have that effect in people's heart and their in in their mind. And so I'd say it's just not even worth going there. Let's just put that word on the shelf and you know kind of bury it somewhere and uh, maybe we can use it amongst ourselves to have more technical conversations, but certainly not not worthwhile and to have it uh, in the public view of people that we know and love and care about who need to hear the gospel. Okay, so so far, Ross, we've talked a l- we've talked more about our perspective of Mormons, the way we, the way Christians or even non Christians view Mormons culturally in popular culture. Let's spend a little time talking about the other side of that. How do Mormons, Ross, view non Mormons? How, how do how do Mormons look at us? Right, the other way around. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, going back to the Pew uh, Research study, um, it's interesting that Mormons look at evangelical Christians, by and large, pretty favorably. Like, evangelical Christians' attitude toward Mormons was minus 12 on the scale, but Mormons' attitude toward evangelical Christians is closer to plus 50 on the scale. And so for some reason... um, you know, there, there can be a positive thing. Now, a lot of individual Christians have undermined that by how we treat Mormons, like using the cult word or other, in different other ways. But by and large, we have, you know, there's, there's something favorable that LDS people see in, in our culture or somehow in our, um, in our movement. That is, you know, part of that is that I'm not sure that very many Mormons really pay much attention to the evangelical or to the traditional uh, historic Christian world. I think they can be pretty uh, myopic about the lives of people of faith outside of their own, um, their own bubble. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed for over 20 years that I've lived here is I think the way that they generally view, especially Christians, is that we're people who use grace as a license to sin. You know, mm-hmm. I, every Mormon that comes out of Mormonism, they 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 kind of confess that that's how they viewed it. That's how they viewed it. We're lazy. We don't take our faith seriously. And you know, I think there's some truth probably to that in in large part that probably a lot of people who go to church, Christian churches, don't actually take their faith as seriously as maybe the average Mormon would take his or her faith. But I think there's also some misunderstanding in that as well, like a misunderstanding of, of the grace message, and even like the, the Book of Romans, for example. Yeah, they're definitely, um, they're seeing that, that question through a huge lens of their own doctrine and culture, and so most of them don't understand. Now, obviously, we can say, oh, there's a Mormon who did this, or a Mormon who did that, and there can be individual cases where, where that person might kind of ruin the image of Mormons for the rest of us. And it can go the other way. There's certainly certainly Christians or people who profess a Christian faith who act in such a way that they really ruin the image of the rest of the Christian world uh, for the Mormons. And they can, they can live in a way that abuses grace. I mean, I had a conversation, I remember one time with a guy, he says, we're trying to sort this stuff out, and his go-to kind of the card he kept playing was, look, I have a brother, and he professes to be a Christian, and he's a lousy guy. You know, he's doing all these kind of terrible things. I said, well, I, I can't, how do I answer for your brother? I don't, I don't know him or, you know, but that was his paradigm. Another thing, kind of a stereotype um, that I've seen over the years is um, often I've had Mormons ask, you know, why do you and your religious movement, why do you hate us so much? Um, you know, and they, maybe they sense that negative favorability rating and they're going like, well, why do, and they, they, they equate it as animosity toward them and toward what they represent. I, I don't think it, we're trying to convey animosity. I think we're trying to convey that we believe differently and we'd like to see them come to faith, but, but they read it as animosity from a lot of, a lot of Christians. Okay. So this really brings us to one more huge question. We probably should have said this at the beginning, but even as you explain that, some Mormons might be listening to this saying, wait a second, we're, you're, 
you're trying to bring us to faith. So the question, Ross, is are Mormons Christians? I mean, forget about is Mormonism a cult. Let's say, let's say, let's be gracious about that, and we're not going to paint this with a broad brush. Then, how would we even answer this question? Are Mormons are Mormons Christians? Because because we've been accused, even on this podcast, Ross, of um, throwing our brother, our Mormon brother, under the bus, brothers and sisters under the bus. But yet, Mormons try to convert Baptists. So how, like, how would you answer this question? Are Mormons Christians? I'd say it uh, depends on how you define the word Christian. So t- clearly, we uh, typically in the Mormon culture and in the uh, traditional Christian culture, we really use different definitions of that word. And so that's part of the problem is a communication problem that we don't have the same definition of the word. And so I'm saying I don't think Mormons are Christians in this sense and Mormons are saying, yes, we are. We're Christians in this other sense. And we end up talking mm. past each other about that question. So what sense do we mean when we say when we say that Mormons aren't Christians? Again, it's hard to say this in broad, broad terms because you can be attending, if you're listening today, you can be attending a Mormon church. You, can have, you could have grown up Mormon and actually trusted Jesus for salvation, even though you're in a Mormon church where a lot of the doctrine isn't biblical I do believe that a Mormon can be a Christian, but when when I say that Mormons aren't Christians in general, what I'm saying is, for the most part, what Mormons teach and what Mormons believe is not biblical. It's not like the fundamental message of the Bible. They're missing who Jesus is, and they're missing how you can be saved. And these are two fundamentals that when I use this definition, I say, so because of this, Mormons in general, Mormons aren't Christians. Right, and I think one of the things you're getting at, you're touching on, is that really if we were, want to be careful about how we talk about this topic, we have to realize that there's really two questions involved in the topic. One is, are individual Mormons Christians versus is the Mormon church as an institution a Christian institution? And, and honestly, we use different criteria to... Uh, to ask those two questions. So if we're talking about an institution, then we're going to use a theological definition. To say to be Christian means to adhere to certain historic Christian doctrines, things that all Christians everywhere have believed in from the days of the Bible, the Trinity, and so forth. And so from that perspective, we say, no, the Mormon church is not a Christian institution. Now, they're not going to accept that definition. That's fine. Nobody owns the definition of Christian. But, but they're going to say, well, no, look, the name of Jesus, uh, Jesus is, is in the name of our church. Um, no, we're good people. We try to follow Jesus. We try to obey what he says. And so they're using more of a behavioral decision uh, uh, description where we're using more of a theological description. That's a different question than, as you pointed out, whether individual Mormons are Christians. They may be, they may not be. Uh, I, a friend of mine who was a pastor a few years ago did a, a sermon at his church. It was a Baptist church, and the sermon put it up on the billboard. He said, are Baptist Christians? And I thought, well, that kind of gets at it, right? Maybe some are and some aren't. And so when we talk about individuals, we use more of an experiential definition. We say a person who's a Christian is not necessarily just the person who holds all the right doctrine. You can have all the right doctrine and never have had a life-changing experience 
of what the Bible calls regeneration. And so we say that, look, a person is a Christian as best we know because we don't know anybody's heart who has trusted in Jesus Christ alone uh, to be forgiven of their sins and enter a relationship with God. And so that's why that's not really a doctrinal uh, definition. It's more of a personal experiential definition. And that can happen uh, to anybody in, in, within any religious institution, probably. Yeah, I would encourage the Christians out there who are listening, before you point a finger and say that person from that group isn't a Christian, I think it's good to look in the mirror first and say, have I, have I turned to Jesus in faith? Have I repented of my way of living and my way of thinking? And have I turned to Jesus and received the freedom and the grace that only he can give me? Because just like you know, just like sitting in a garage doesn't make me a car, sitting in a church doesn't make me a Christian. So before we point our fingers at other people and ask their ask whether or not they're truly a Christian, I think we should look in the mirror and ask the question of ourselves first. Right. That gives us some idea about how to talk about this issue. Because that again, like the cult thing, to say to our Mormon friends, you're not Christians, that, that is offensive to them. And so I don't want to cut off conversation. So I don't want to argue about mere labels. I want to have a, a deeper discussion. So I had this conversation actually with my brother who is LDS. And at the end of the, you know, after 45 minutes of working it out and trying to talk through these things, he says, well, okay, if that's what you mean by a Christian, then I don't want to be that kind of a Christian. He says, I'm not offended anymore because I realize you're not talking about what matters to me. He, he had a different idea in mind. We got through there by, by talking it through. What was his what did, what idea did he have in mind? Just that he was a follower of Christ in his by his definition. Yeah, he says, "Look, we love Jesus. He's in it. You know, he's central to our church. Um, I want to follow Jesus in everything I do. I want to follow his example. I want to follow his commands." And so again, it was a very behavioral, um, a behavioral definition. So when when Mormons hear us say, "You're not Christians." What they, what they hear as they translate that, they think we're saying, you're not good people. Hmm. Okay, so Ross, this is one of the reasons that Mormons see non-Mormons as targets for conversion. Because, honestly, because Mormons recognize, good Mormons recognize that what they believe, I'm sure your brother felt this way too, that what they believe is fundamentally different than what we believe, whether we're talking about Christians or just you know, non-Mormons in general. And so Mormons are very, uh, very missionary-minded. And I think that's one of the reasons, to get back to what we're talking about in this episode, I think that's one of the reasons that they probably have an unfavorable rating, is because, is because you're always trying to change my mind, right? Right. And that's how they, they see us as somehow being less than in some way. Um, and actually, I'm not sure the issue is so much that they really understand the differences theologically. I know there's some big things that most Mormons understand. I hear all the time LDS people say, well, you believe just like we believe. Now, why can't we cooperate? Why can't we do... So I think, I think the bigger issue for their missionary emphasis is they believe that we're lacking some important things that Joseph Smith restored from Jesus' original church. So the idea of the restoration, that we don't have priesthood authority to act for God, that we don't have access to these ordinances that are going to change our eternity. And so um, a lot of LDS people would look at traditional Christians as being sort of JV, 
um, sort of, if only you had more, then, then you'd be really in great shape. Okay, so Ross, let's finish again by speaking to the Christian who's listening, right? Uh, one of the questions we've answered is, is Mormonism a cult? And you know, I think in view of what we've talked about today, really, a Christian has three options when it comes to their Mormon friend or their Mormon coworker or neighbor. Number one, you can attack Mormonism and you can attack your friend. You can have an adversarial relationship with a person. Number two, you can agree with them on the other end of the spectrum, as you could just say, let's just agree. Let's just all agree. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ and, and we're all on the same page, which we think is just as dangerous. Or number three, you can do what Jesus did, and, and that is to engage in a Mormon as real as a real person and really do your best to build a bridge and help them to understand the Jesus that you follow. Yeah, and so you can see, you know, adversarial uh, attacking, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere from an eternal perspective, except you may be able to win an argument. But Mormonism is fueled by a persecution response. And so the more they're opposed, the stronger they dig in. And certainly we don't agree, we can't agree with Mormonism on core fundamental things like we've been talking about. But we can engage with Mormons. We do want to see Latter-day Saints come to faith, a new kind of faith in Jesus, just like they want to see us to come to their kind of faith um, as they understand what faith in Jesus means. Um, And so really, I want to model the way Jesus interacted with people. You know, he's, he was interacting with people, like he met them right where they were. He dealt with their felt needs, he, but, he, but he moved them and pointed them toward um, a, an appropriate kind of relationship with God. And someday maybe we'll get a chance to talk about his interaction with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, where we see, because the relationship between Samaritans and Jews in Jesus' day was in a lot of ways parallel to the relationship between Mormons and and traditional Christians today, and how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well, met her where she was at, but he pointed her. They had competing truth claims, the Samaritans and the Jews, and Jesus pointed her beyond her truth claims to you know the truth, the ultimate truth of God, but he did it in a way that, that gave her a lot of space to come to a decision to follow him. Mm, that's so good. So if you want to talk about this question, is Mormonism a cult? If you want to have that conversation with your family or with a small group or a mentor, maybe someone that, you're, that you've been trying to engage at work or at school, we encourage you to find this along with so many other topics on Mormonism and biblical Christianity and, and every, really anything you can think of. Find it all at PursueGod.org. Again, find the Mormon content at PursueGod.org forward slash Mormonism and make sure to join us because we're going we're gonna, to, in a couple of weeks here, Ross, we're going to take a few weeks to talk about how Mormons can leave well. And so keep tuning in as you, conti- as you continue to learn about biblical Christianity versus Mormonism. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.